should be the that should be the diss from now on. Man, I don't even like this fucking restaurant. Dude, well, how many fucking songs have you written, motherfucker? You're just not allowed to talk unless you write songs. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You guys want to get pizza? How many songs have you written? <laughs> yeah, David Crosby writes songs are fucking terrible. It doesn't mean he's right about music. I feel like there's a thing that keeps happening on this podcast where for a period of years, I will see pictures of some band and never ever listen to them because I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And from those pictures and seeing like the instruments and the haircuts and the clothes and everything, I get an idea of what they probably sound like for years. If anyone's talking about that band in my head, I'm like, okay, I think I know what they're talking about. And then whenever they come up on this podcast and we have to do an episode on them. So I have to listen to them. I hear it. And it turns out this band specifically, not only do they not sound remotely like what I had assumed from their pictures, I don't know why they even use instruments. They're essentially just using these as props. There's no reason for anyone in this band to carry anything on stage other than standard EDM show music equipment. They could just play the tracks. I can tell how they are, in fact, using real instruments to make all of these sounds. What I'm saying is they don't need to. (laughs) There's no good reason for them to, unless they just like the way it looks that they are holding instruments so they can be a band. There's no actual reason for this to be a band. You could make every song on the entire first album with a drum machine, synthesizers, and a chaos pad. The song Girls is the only one with a distinct rhythm guitar part in it. And even that, you could just sample and do the whole song live without bringing a guitar on stage. I think you could have just stopped that entire sentence when you said there's no reason for this to be a band. i got to flesh this episode out, dude. I don't know how we're going to make this interesting. You could have said a band and have it ended. I don't know how we're going to make this interesting enough to do a whole episode. I'm not going to lie. I've never purposefully listened to the 1975. And Wait, still? When I listened to okay. it. No, no, no. When I listened to say, it. Because motherfucker, you better have because this is going to not be easy for me if you didn't listen to any of this shit. Imagine if I just never listened to it. I didn't even bother listening to it. Uh, good luck, Tyler. They definitely, I guess, uh, didn't sound like what I thought they were going to sound like based on the few people that I have in my life that said that they liked them. And then I looked at the pictures of them. Oh, they probably sound like X. And then I listened to it and I was like, oh, they don't sound like that at all. It's actually worse, genuinely worse than I thought it was. This is like kids music written by like a bunch of over-sexualized adult men that are stuck at 14 in their heads or something. I assumed that this was, you know, younger, moodier, gothier, Franz Ferdinand or Scissor Sisters type thing. Well, I thought they were like a straight up rock band. For real, yeah. And I know that this is a, I mean, I get, this is annoying to people that actually like this band. I thought they were like the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. But imagine sounding worse than the Arctic Monkeys and that's really fucking saying something. This episode could be 10 minutes long. Straight up. Maybe it will be. Uh, (laughs) One can hope. For this show, I will generally do one of two things, depending upon the kind of band that it is. I will either go to like a greatest hits auto-generated playlist and just listen to the singles because of what I thought this band sounded like, A, and B, because I'm extremely aware of how diehard this band's fans are, and they definitely listen to every song on every album, I did the other thing that I do, which is start at the first album and listen to the whole thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I did not manage to listen to every 1975 album. I will come clean on that because I couldn't fucking take it. That's that's hardcore, dude. I made it through the first two and a good bit of the third one. 
Wow. And then listen to some other shit enough to realize that they basically made the first album, then the second album, and then everything they've done since then, regardless of the PR narrative, has been a combination of those first two albums, just with a focus on this type of song that they do. The first album I thought sounded like the Postal Service covering a bunch of All-American Rejects B-sides. Uh-huh. Another way I thought of describing it would be like if the band Big Pink decided to try writing a bunch of good Charlotte songs that were so bad, good Charlotte turned them down. Yeah, I guess that's what I didn't even think about Postal Service. I skipped over that in my head altogether. I should have gone just, it's there. It's very electronic. It sounds to me like the first songs you would have written as a kid. And especially now when anyone can get a $75 MIDI controller, yeah. da- download a hacked Ableton or yeah. Logic or whatever, yeah. and just start dicking around. That's exactly what it sounds like. The basic shit that comes preloaded on the computer, and then you just add some layers to it and pretend like that you wrote it or something. But in reality, it was the preset things in there. And really, sincerely, I mean this, if anyone could answer, why does anyone like the way this guy's voice sounds when he sings? Because it's difficult. It is hard to take. It is hard to sit there and listen to someone do that. I couldn't get past, I didn't even pay attention to how he was singing it because the whole time when I'm listening to it, I was like, this just sounds like something, this just sounds like this other song. I guess I can excuse people like in the 1975 if they're like under 14 years old because they've never been exposed to pop music that existed in the 80s and 90s. If this is your first exposure to pop music, like in the 1975 makes sense. Yeah, tracks. Fully. If you're over the age of 25 even. And you've like, heard music, what are you doing? You've been exposed yeah. to mute pop music before. You should immediately say, fuck this band, they suck. It's unoriginal, uninspired pop music. Everyone makes a big deal out of this band being from Manchester. So I thought that they were. And when I listened to it for the first time, all I could think was, how is this band from the same town that gave us Oasis? Well, I mean, not to mention every other band from Manchester over the decades, but specifically the band Oasis. I mean, one of the big hits from that first album is the song Chocolate. That's the song where he sings about a petticoat a bunch. I'm pretty sure either of the Gallagher brothers would physically kick your ass for that alone, putting the word petticoat in a song. But then it turns out that the 1975 isn't even from Manchester. They just fucking moved there as their like HQ, probably to glom on to how much music cred that city has. Sure. I always found that to be really fucking annoying. And maybe because I'm a transplant, I live in Nashville, but I'm not from Nashville. I always thought it was kind of corny when people, I guess maybe it's corny to us too, because we live in Nashville and a lot of country artists are like, I'm from Nashville. No, you're from from fucking Ohio, dude. Last week. Exactly. Like, you're not from Nashville. You live in Nashville, but you grew up. You literally lived in Ohio for 30 fucking years, dude. You're from Ohio. The second 1970 album sounds a lot to me like someone asked them why they were holding instruments when all their songs sound like they were made with a computer. And... Then someone showed them the band like Oingo Boingo, maybe. And I'm sure a lot of people who hear it think these dickheads are just trying to copy Prince meets the Boney Bear vocoder era or some shit like that. What is the point of being in a band? This is not a band. It's the, it's just like, well, sometimes you just really like in excess and you want to do your yeah, bullshit, okay. not as good version sure. of it. I okay, think. Fair <laughs> enough. Yes. Uh, uh, in excess is a band for anyone, uh, unaware you should listen to just listen in excess is an easy example of somebody else you can listen to solid band it would be pretty hard to do an episode of this podcast on in excess there's a million bands in the 80s that wrote probably like two or three hit songs there's a million bands that wrote these songs and then the 1975 fucking took them yes that's true 
There is one funny thing that these guys do. Well, one funny thing that they do on purpose, I should say. Every album starts with a different version of the same song. I don't, did you know this at all? No. Okay. okay I did not. I, <laughs> dude, you, you go to another level that I can't. I don't have the... I would have to take a fucking Xanax if I had to listen to these albums through every artist we did that I don't, that I'm unaware of, which is definitely this band. If it was like, no, you have to listen to all of the albums beginning to end in order. I would have a panic attack. A hundred percent. My only point of reference for this band's music is the A sides, the top 10 biggest songs or something like that. Every song, say. every album starts with a different version of the same song. Okay. Like literally like or the same song, the okay. same lyrics. Same music, but a different arrangement of it. Like okay. it'll be played on different okay. instruments or whatever. And the song is titled The 1975. Uh, that makes total sense. <laughs> yes. I think that is a legitimately funny thing to do. I also already regret saying that that's funny because I can tell how much this guy wants to be perceived as funny. And he is certainly not as fucking funny as he, he thinks he is. definitely wants to be funny. That's definitely a thing. It's so annoying when people who are successful at one thing clearly, desperately want to be successful at another thing that they're not good at. Elon Musk wanting to be funny. It's like, dude, you were, at least, literally the richest individual on the planet. Just go do that. If I was the richest person on the planet, yeah. you wouldn't know anything about me other than the fact that I had all that money, which I was using to never be in public again. Yeah, you definitely disappear. The subject matter of all these songs is kind of the same thing over and over again. Basically, this guy wants you to think that he's funny and smart, so he tries to be self-deprecating about how much he wants to fuck and jerk off and get wasted while still simultaneously singing about wanting to fuck and jerk off and get wasted. And then all of that is thrown into a blender with a bajillion references to entry-level counterculture stuff 99% of this dude's audience, very young, probably don't know about. But again, I think that that just makes him seem very smart to them. He knows about a bunch of stuff I don't know about. He must be very smart. One of the cringiest things in all of music to me is when somebody has a fan base that they probably don't actually want, but that's what they have. I think he's talked about this before, like how they didn't consciously try to cultivate an audience of mostly very young girls. But that's what you have instead of just acknowledging the reality is that our fan base is X. We're just going to pretend that that's not it and keep making obnoxiously ridiculous music for this fan base that we wish existed, but doesn't. Just embrace the shit, dude. Just you're loved by 14 year old girls. Grow the fuck up grow up and write different shit. Embrace it. You're rich and famous. This is what you wanted. Obviously, your parents are rich and famous. Now you're rich and famous too. Cool, dude. You win. What do you have to prove? What I thought you were going to say, because this is something that comes up on the show every now and then, especially at the very beginning of this band's career, this is another one of those situations where we're talking about a young adult man in his 20s writing songs that are primarily listened to and identified with by much younger teenagers, for some reason, somehow, this almost never seems to send up giant red flags to everyone who is paying attention and who you would hope would be like, oh, wait, that's weird, dude. Why are you, why are you saying all that stuff to them? Yeah. 
Well, because no, dude, that's not. We we write these songs for this person. Well, that person doesn't listen to your fucking music, dude. They do. First album, fine. You didn't know. No, you didn't know that's what was gonna happen. Fair. This isn't like a band that toured a bunch and you know road dogged it out and slowly but surely built up a fan base. They had the uh, luxury of stepping into a career (laughs) for some fucking reason. Yeah, I definitely read that they started in 2002 or something like that. But just like as a high school band to play basically a talent right, show. Exactly. But they weren't like, like gigging. Right. Come on. Really? Like, yeah, they started in 2002, but they didn't have any success 2016 or 2014 or something yeah. like that. Okay. They right. dropped the first album thinking that they're making it for a certain kind of audience. Which is fine. But then, I mean, especially these days, the level of data that you as a creative person making a product can get on the people who are consuming that product they know exactly who they're talking to when they make the second album if you check out these lyrics i think that i'm not the only person who would find it slightly disturbing how many like 12 year old and 13 year old kids are listening to this stuff they definitely leaned into it even though they shouldn't have Like many bands who cultivate a much younger audience, Green Day, for example, the 1975 are able to rip off music that was made for an older crowd and present it to kids who have never heard the original music. So they think this bullshit version of it sounds great. This band definitely listens to M83 a lot because half of 1975's faster songs sound like an attempt to rewrite Midnight City by M83. The 1975 song Milk, specifically, that sounds almost exactly like the song Graveyard Girl by M83. You can just go A, B, these. Which is weird for me because when I was listening to it, I don't even like M83 at all. But it was obviously a massive fucking band for a while there and you couldn't not listen to it if you went out. Even myself, a non-M83 fan was like, God damn, this sounds just like fucking M83. Quite literally. super clear, yeah. The exact same. That's also why I think that this dude thought he was making music for M. I think they thought they were making music for M83 fans. Right. I think they thought they were making music for the people in the age and interest demographic who were out doing drugs at clubs, taking ecstasy when Midnight City was a hit. M83 Junior for those people. And then kids who were not old enough to be in clubs taking drugs when M83 was the biggest band around that's who ended up going for it. Because mm-hmm. obviously, M83 fans are not listening to this. I can no. fucking guarantee you that. Why would you listen to someone do a half-ass job of your favorite band? Exactly. It's just not a thing. Yes. There's no way you like M83 and this band. If you like the M83 first, oh, this is like the kid's bop version of my favorite band. And it's not just M83 either. These guys bite stuff from a lot of the most famous and successful bands of all time. Their song, Robbers, which is one of their big, big early songs, that song sucked a lot when it was called With or Without You by U2, and the 1975 <laughs> somehow made it worse. Them claiming Manchester as their hometown is very ridiculous, especially when you consider they completely copped Joy Division's song Disorder on Give Yourself a Try. Sounds exactly like the Strokes covering Joy Division with uh, the guy from Owl City singing over it, which is not a thing anyone was asking for. Oh, God. This band even covered the song Only You by Yaz for a good period of time before then coming out with the song Paris that just sounds almost identical to Only You. Except for that U2 song, a lot of these songs are really good. 
I can see why if you haven't heard the originals or even spent very much time with these older bands, you hear someone playing half of it and you're like, oh, wow, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like, all right, I fucking hate you too, but With or Without You is a way better song than the version that the 1975 gave you called Robbers. I think that's why the fan base is so young though, right? It's gotta be. That's the only way it works. Right. The only people that like this band are people that have never been exposed to music. That's just it. Anyone that has been exposed to music goes, oh, that's just this band or that's just that band. I'd rather just listen to that band. Hence why their fan base never grows up forever young as fan base. This is so good. Yeah, because you've never heard music before. Much as Matt Healy loves to talk and talk and talk and talk, it would not surprise me if he responded to someone asking about this by pulling out his phone and reading a list of every song they ever (laughs) ripped off. Oh yeah, that one is this band. That one is this band. That one is this band. I think he would just tell you. Yeah, well, there's this uh, really amazing quote by him that uh, kind of blew my mind when he said, uh, this is really actually probably what we could have just started and ended the podcast on right here. Quote, the way that I write music is that I listen to a song I love and copy it. And songs that I love- <laughs> he just said that? Yes, are not songs by rock bands unless they're old classics. Ugh. The way that I write music is that I listen to a song that I love and I copy it. <laughs> that is quite literally what he said. He said that to a music magazine and they continued to have the conversation. How do you not just be like, okay, dude, this is over. Holy shit. Here's what's going to happen next. A shitload of people are going to get in the comments and they're going to say, yeah, that's what everyone does. Everyone steals from everyone. That's just how music is made. You're fucking wrong. That's not how you make music. That's how you learn how to make music. That's what everyone does first when you're learning. Right. So the most charitable thing that you could say about this band is that they have pulled open the curtain and let you be a witness to the behind the scenes process of what actual good fucking bands go through before they start writing music that is worth paying attention to. All right. If you think that every band is just out here copying other bands and that's what the history of music is, it is very important that you go to the first episode of this podcast, press play and listen to every fucking thing we've ever said into a microphone because you don't know shit. Also, man, let's talk about this. His publicist must have been losing their fucking mind if they were in the room. Do you know how many bands are going to sue us now because you just said that? You just openly admitted that you copied other bands. Also, there's so many better ways inspired i've been inspired by is what people have been they have not usually typically acknowledged the fact that they straight up quote (laughs) copy the band's music that's wild i didn't even see that quote i was just listening to these songs and i was like that's that that's that it was one of those quotes when i read it i couldn't actually believe i had to read it twice (laughs) then the third time i finally copied it that's really something Speaking of this band's publicist, which actually the band probably has a publicist and this dude probably has his own publicist. I would I hope so. He needs his own. Imagine if he does not having a dedicated publicist yes. all to himself. If he doesn't, he <laughs> needs one immediately. He is constantly doing these big attention grabbing things, which I mean, that's what basically every popular band that doesn't make good music has to do. So whatever. But this guy is trying to do it all in a way that comes across like he must be making some kind of intelligent or ironic point about something. Again, he wants you to think he's smart. It almost does not even make sense to refer to specific incidents, because by the time this episode comes out, I am certain he will have done 20 new things that make everything I would say 
just sound like nothing compared to what he's doing by the time this comes out. But just past few months on their tour of America, he has been making out with fans in the middle of concerts. <sighs> oh my God. That gives me the heebie-jeebies. Anthony man. Kiedis used to do that and it was so gross. really gross back then. And it's definitely gross when you consider everything that we've just said about this band in this <laughs> it's episode. So it's just gross in general. Uh, Almost took his dick out on stage. I'm sure he thinks that Jim Morrison is a fucking visionary. He's probably still hovering right around that level of intelligence. And that's how he became a sexual predator. Did some push-ups with his shirt off in front of a stage set that was a wall of TVs playing Ben Shapiro. Most recently, he, <laughs> yeah, most recently he had a tattoo artist come out and give him a tattoo, a basic tattoo that said, I'm a man on it nice. or something like that. Yes. Okay. And then my favorite one that he did recently had someone bring him what looked to me like a raw bone in ribeye, probably at least a $200 piece of meat considering he was in New York City grabbed it by the bone and just took a bite out of it and like chewed up the raw meat and ate it. I, I eat steak tartare, but dude, not as performance art. Yeah. There are a lot of musicians that we've talked about over the years where it's like what they want to be versus what they really are. Your fan base is not what you wish it was. The fact that people don't take you, interpret your art the way that you wish they would. There's a real disconnect between the reality of the 1975 and the people that like him and what maybe he wishes. What he thinks he's doing and who he thinks he's doing it for. Yeah, Yeah. he's like, this is high art or something. (laughs) Look at me, I'm a weirdo. And look at this cool, weird shit that I do. And in reality, it's a bunch of teenagers sitting around going like, wow, look how weird he is. I feel like he's trying to be like the next Jared Leto or something like that. He reminds me so much of Shia LaBeouf. I think that Matt Healy is exactly what would happen if Shia LaBeouf wanted to be the singer of like uh, an NXS tribute band. Yeah, like a, a pop band. Yeah. If you look up all the articles about this shit that he does, you'll see a lot of journalists trying to intellectualize it, trying to figure out how it must be some kind of statement on masculinity or whatever the fuck. All this dude has to do is pop off with some zany act and then wait for a bunch of writers to come in and invent theories about why it could be smart. And then all he's got to do is just act like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I was doing the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. What they said. It's like he wants to be Andy Kaufman. Matt, if you're listening to this, it is, well, actually, I don't know what the laws are over in uh, Europe, but in the United States, it is literally illegal to fake your own death. So if you are trying to be the next Andy Kaufman, don't, don't do, do, do that. Now that we've sold a bunch of shirts, maybe people will start responding to them wearing our shirt. We get tagged in posts all the time, I see. Yeah, if you get a shirt at yfbspod.com. I want to hear the stories. Oh, I definitely want to hear some stories. I bet it's a lot of people laughing at the shirt. I bet when you're walking around in a shirt that says your favorite band sucks on it, you get a lot of people who aren't dumb as fuck going, that shirt's funny. I hope. It's a great conversation starter or ender. If you're a single person and you're someone that goes on dates, you should buy a shirt and wear it on a date. Mm-hmm. It's a great litmus test. Figure out right away. Oh, this person I'm going on this date with, his favorite band is Weezer. Text your friend. Hey, uh, can you call me in a minute and tell me that you really need my help? Get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Okay, and then here's the thing, though. All of these lyrics that are supposed to be funny and deep and whatever else, his vocal delivery, there is not a lot of emotional range in it. But also, by the way, our... Podcast is marked as explicit and you're not supposed to be listening to it if you're not over the age of 18. You're breaking the law. Very clearly marked as that. So (laughs) 
Stop breaking if the law. If you're very young and offended by what I'm about to say, you're not even supposed to be hearing this shit in the first place, all right? <laughs> True. Come back when you're 18. Unlike <laughs> Matt Healy, I will say directly to you, get the fuck out of here. Come back when you're 18. Please. Um, I know that you think he is singing plaintively and with a lot of emotion. It's not. It's unemotion. He's got two gears. He can do this, like, I feel sad and empty inside voice thing, and then he can do this higher gear that either means that he's being very sincere right now or very insincere, depending upon how much sass is thrown in. He's either trying to get you to think that he is in pain or sort of cringing at something that he thinks is funny, which if you really think about it are very similar emotions. That's why I'm counting it as one thing with a twist of sass involved. That's it. Probably relevant to bring up while criticizing his singing shortly after discussing all of his antics. This guy was originally the drummer of the band. There you go. It's all Th there. You do and, go. <laughs> and there is the end. In fact, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Never trust the drummer. Then what's fucked up all of these quote unquote edgy things that he's supposedly saying in these lyrics and all of the, you know, social commentary that he is trying to put in here. Normally, when someone does that with the lyrics of a band's music, the music sort of matches that vibe. Very serious, angry tone. This to kid it. has definitely heard Wire. He has definitely heard Gang of Four. These are sure. phenomenal fucking bands. If you strip the vocals from those songs, a lot of them, you would get a sense. You'd be, oh, wow, these guys sound like they're pretty pissed off about yeah. something. Yes. Uh, if you strip the vocals from the 1975 songs, you are listening to elevator music Literally. for Generation Z. Yes. It is hilarious that the main guy in this band thinks they are dealing in controversial art or saying all these subversive things when this shit sounds like music from a car commercial. And if you don't think it sounds like music from a car commercial, Volkswagen disagrees with you because there's a Volkswagen car commercial from 2016 that uses an instrumental version of an 1975 song as a music bed maybe it's like the logical conclusion of being born with a silver spoon shoved so far up your ass your idea of being edgy and whatever is to sing like like to be that person you've never actually had any like real hard turmoil in your life nothing to give you any edge to you whatsoever this is the outcome i want to be taken serious and i'm gonna sing like this even though i can't sing no soul to it whatsoever it's funny the song in that car commercial is the song the sound they do bring in the chorus vocals at the end but otherwise it's just the music and the music of that song sounds like one of the dudes in the band figured out one of the chords from the song i want to be your lover by prince <laughs> and didn't realize that you're supposed to mix that in with other chords maybe even a whole song's worth of riffs it sounds like he thought all he had to do was just hammer that one chord over and over and over and over for the entirety of a song and yeah. idiots would dance to it, which I guess he was right. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that song was a pretty big hit for them. So it seems he was right. All those teenagers. Speaking of all of the edge that this band, in fact, lacks, I found it quite comical that the main dude in 1975 said he thinks Metallica is the worst band of all time. It is just deeply specific proof of why the 1975's music is so bad. I'm not saying Metallica is the best band of all time, but those first four albums. And if you don't like that, yeah. what the fuck? I, say, <laughs> like, I mean, look, everyone is entitled to have an opinion about things. but Except when, Matt Healy. <laughs> when you make the music that Matt Healy and his band, I guess, whatever that is, make, you are disqualified forever 
from having an opinion about music and musical taste ever. You certainly are never allowed to say that one of the largest, if not the largest heavy metal band in all of history. Easily, unquestionably, yeah. Like, okay, man, well, thank you for your input. Go back to bed. You're obviously a little tired. You know, maybe you need to eat some more steak and go back to sleep. I guess listen to Bjork's last album again or whatever like, the fuck. What, the fuck? <laughs> what, 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 what the thing is, is we could probably sit down and figure out exactly who his favorite artists are because they are the fucking songs that they wrote. The Metallica thing, it's funny because what that demonstrates is a fact that the 1975 musically are the polar opposite of Metallica on purpose because they think that's a good thing. That's nuts. You're never going to hear the song Damage Incorporated in an elevator of an office building anywhere. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the 1975 is probably playing in the elevators at Goldman Sachs in New York City at this very moment. You could even go so far. Like, let's think of a band maybe in their world. You two had more edge to it. And they were like, literally, (laughs) ah, (laughs) pun, uh, pun intended. I am going to kill myself after this episode. So don't (laughs) worry. Uh, there was more genuine edge, I'm just going to say it again, to U2 songs. But I guess the point being is that you can write catchy, you know, likable music and still have an actual toughness to it. I hate U2. I fucking hate U2. The baseline from New Year's Day. Come on. That's a really, really fucking solid baseline. Yeah. And it is way more intense and dark than anything that this band who thinks that they're out here fucking with the system man could possibly write they were inspired by u2's roughness blah 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 but then they just like never actually could pull it off again neither one of us likes u2 legitimately i do not like you too not a bit no. but i wonder what would happen if 1975 fans listened to u2 they would probably love that shit right you like the 1975 and then you hear where the streets have no name or Sunday bloody Sunday for the first time. You're probably just like, yeah, (laughs) you're nutting for sure. hundred percent. Oh my God. This is so fucking good. Wow. Well, yeah, it's the fucking guy that you listen to just straight lifted that shit. Bono is objectively a way better singer than this. Oh God. That's not even the same world. Here's this other weird thing that I noticed about this band. So the way that people talk about this band is like this band is sitting on top of the world. Well, they were. Exactly. So this is something I noticed. Every album that they have released sells about half as many copies as the one that came before it. That's not good. I realize that fans of this band are not very aware of trends in the industry, but we're about to cover a couple of them right now. If every album you put out sells half as many copies, and this is maybe one of the reasons why the main dude has been talking about how they never wanted to be a big band anyways. Uh, earlier when we talked about... You gotta cover your tracks. He said he didn't want... They never set out to have an audience of young teenagers. In that same conversation, I think, he was talking about how they never set out to be a big band. They just wanted to be a small... Oh, sure. Emo band. Oh, yeah. Which we, is, we never wanted to get huge. Said no one fucking <laughs> yeah. ever with a straight face. They could get in a van and tour, motherfucker. Yeah, Don't just yeah. get a record deal automatically. I just... To be honest with you, man, I just... I never wanted to be rich and famous. I, I, I just wanted to play music for fun. Well, you could have done that. You could have been in a cover band, bro. Much like The Strokes, although The Strokes, I believe, have a more legitimate career than the 1975. There are people who are going to keep listening to that band and keep listening to the new albums that the they Strokes. put out. The Strokes fans didn't age out. 
Whereas the 1975 is clearly offboarding fans every time they put out something new. Yeah. This is so clearly, and from the outside looking in, clearly seems to be a thing that got way hyped up at the beginning. The whole content machine, all the people writing about it, all the people have to think about it and, you know, judge it and rank it and all that shit. Once the content machine figures out a way to talk about a thing, they want that thing to remain a thing because it's a thing that they have already figured out how to talk about. If something new becomes a thing, then they got to start all over and figure out what the narrative is on that. So everyone treats the 1975 like they're still selling as many albums as their first album sold. They're not, and there's no indication that they ever will again. The most direct baseline evidence is that fewer and fewer people care about the 1975 literally every time they make more stuff. That is not a good sign. Well, dude, their fans are growing up. They're going out into the world and they're playing their favorite band for other people who've listened to music. And then those people are like, oh, shit, have you ever listened to M83 before? Yeah, they're 13 year old fans. Now they're 20 and they're actually going out and doing stuff. And they're like, wait a minute. Holy shit. There's other stuff way better. All of the music journalists still talk about this band like they are just in there and always going to be there. It's like watching a bunch of people try to discuss a deli tray that expired 10 years ago. Yeah, Guys, that was some shit people snacked on a decade ago. And almost nobody but you is even still thinking about it, let alone talking about it, let alone trying to get other people to give a fuck. Shut the fuck up. Stop writing about this band. It's almost like music journalism is full of shit. What? It's almost like they fake their numbers and yeah. the traffic that they get isn't even real and they yeah. use bot farms. That's nuts, Mark yeah. Mosley. I can't believe that that would happen. I don't even think that's true. Who would possibly do such a thing? History lesson number two. Based on the credits of the most recent 1975 album, it seems as though at least some of the guys in this band figured out how the money works because <laughs> the latest album is the first one where not nearly every song is credited to everyone in the band as a writer. It very strongly appears to me as if Healy and one other guy in the band figured out that they didn't have to credit the other two on songs because they are the only members of the band credited on every single song and one of the band members isn't credited on any of the songs if you're one of the few people who still loves this band you may want to start preparing yourself for a world in which they don't exist because this is usually one of the first indications 100 shit is about to blow up in a huge way it's not usually it is this is the kiss of death for a band as existing. soon as that next wave of check starts coming in and that one dude is like wait what the fuck yeah well, what happens is a year from now when your bandmates all of a sudden are driving two Lamborghinis and you don't have any and you're like, where did you get all that extra money? And they're like, oh, I wrote that song, bro, and you didn't. You might as well start the <laughs> fucking countdown right now. Uh, <laughs> countdown till two members of the band leave the band. It's never actually about money, but it's always about money. So those checks are quarterly here in the United States. I assume it works the same way overseas. They might be broken up by the time this episode comes yes. out. Hey, what's up with this check being really small this time? Mine's not. Yeah, exactly. What, what, what happened to yours? Well, Weird. <laughs> well, we wrote the songs, dude. We talked about this in the studio, remember? Like, you didn't really do anything except show up. <laughs> Actually, we didn't even use the song, the parts that you recorded. We had somebody else record oh, those parts. I didn't fuck. want to tell you. This is like the kiss of fucking death for every band in the history of music. I want to close with something special for the the children who, again, you're not supposed to be fucking listening to this. When you're 18, this is a gift for you. Yep. 
Not a day before. Because I assume that anyone who ever at any point in their lives considered this their favorite band hasn't heard any music from before, like the year 2005. Here is a list of albums that came out in the year 1975, and all of these albums are light years better than the band 1975. Big Star's third album, Brian Eno's Another Green World, Waylon Jennings' Dream in My Dreams, Orchestra Harlow, I think it's uh, El Julio Maravilloso, I think that stands for The Marvelous Jew, which was Larry Harlow's nickname, Sly Stone, High on You, Landed by Can. Betty Davis, Nasty Gal. That's a very good album. Physical Graffiti by Led Zeppelin. There's No Place Like America Today by Curtis Mayfield. Tonight's the Night and Zuma by Neil Young. Neil Young put out two great albums in the year that this stupid ass band named themselves mm-hmm. after. And so did Fela Kuti. He put out Expensive Shit and He Miss Road in 1975. Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan. And I'm going to close you out with a weird one. Warrior on the Edge of Time by Hawkwind. Oh, that's a Go weird one. Go listen to all of that shit. Sure. And never listen to this band again. If your favorite band is the 1975. Your favorite band sucks. You are welcome for listening to another bloody episode of Your Favorite Band Sucks. Listen up, you fucks. We've got a new t-shirt design available for pre-order, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it totally rules. There's no way you're not buying it. Go check it out at shop.yfbspod.com, baby. As you heard in the episode, we recorded this one many months ago, I think sometime in late November or early December 2022, based on the fact that I was audibly still dealing with a sinus infection and the fact the most recent stupid thing Matt Healy had done was eat a piece of raw meat. Surprising nobody, turns out I was extremely correct to guess Healy would go on to do a ton of other stupid shit by the time the episode actually came out. Right after we recorded this, Healy went on a run that very well may go down as the peak of his dumbassery. Dude evidently dated Taylor Swift... Even though several years earlier in some interview, he basically made fun of the idea that anyone would want to date Taylor Swift. While involved with Taylor Swift, he went on some podcasts that I'm not going to waste my time listening to and apparently said quite a variety of offensive things that certainly upset many people. Taylor Swift fans in particular, which I can say from experience, is not a super great idea. Recently, he said something else everyone got mad about on his Twitter account, which was a new Twitter account because he had already said he was quitting Twitter, but then couldn't stay away and made a new account where he tried to tweet some joke about the band Boy Genius, but then one of the members of Boy Genius dunked on him so hard, Matt deleted his new Twitter account too. And for everyone wondering about our prediction, the 1975 is probably going to be broken up soon, if not be broken up by the time this episode is released. The most recent thing that happened just a couple of days ago is a ton of people thought Healy had announced the breakup of the 1975. 
They thought that because in the middle of a show, he said the 1975 is going on indefinite hiatus after this current tour wraps. Even though indefinite hiatus always means the band is breaking up, the very next day, Matt Healy said he didn't mean to imply the band was breaking up. Keep in mind, all of this is coming from Matt Healy, so who really has any idea? I doubt even he himself knows what is going to happen with his band or what he is going to say tomorrow. However, I was a little freaked out by the timing of all this because I'm certainly not mature enough to handle any type of psychic powers, and I don't believe Mark is either. So for the next episode, what do y'all think about us just talking about a band where all of the members are already dead? If everyone in the band is dead, none of them alive at all, then there's no way any of this freaky weird stuff can keep happening, right? That's right. Now make sure to join us when the podcast returns, because we will be talking about how much the band Cream sucks. <laughs>